We shall get into the last part of our service, which is the sharing of the word of God. I might pray. Is that okay? You close your eyes with me as we just focus on the word today. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you reveal yourself each day in your word to us. Today we ask that you reveal yourself, that we may reveal you. I ask for your guidance today as I share that let my words fall us to the wayside and let your words come true. May you highlight them in our life and help us to represent you in all things, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, I forgot my clicker. I need the clicker. We all know that we're in our second value. We hold four values dear at church and uh, we all know that we're working toward our second. And our visitors, what we're doing is we're working through the things that we value uh, here at our church. In the first, in the first occasion, uh, for a month, we, we looked at the value of grace and we began to open that up and to help us to unpack that a little bit more. We're in the final week of working through our value of community and what more to celebrate the value of community than to dedicate one of our beautiful children into the community, amen? So, uh, so, so today I get the opportunity to just really uh, wrap up what's been shared over the, the previous three weeks and uh, call attention to some of the things that the Holy Spirit just feels like wants to, to call the attention to. But we've, uh, we had a tag Sunday three weeks ago where Pastor Micah and Pastor Jamie and myself uh, all worked through one short point and then Pastor Jamie and Pastor Micah have had the weeks to um, open that up. And uh, today, like I said, I get the responsibility of wrapping this up because ultimately what I hope that you take out of what we're doing over this series is that um, the true purpose or the, the true community will reveal the king. This is my point I want you to take home and I'm saying it right at the start and I'll finish with it right at the end because this is the whole purpose of why we need to understand that we belong to a community. Because a true community will reveal the king. So Pastor Jamie shared two weeks ago on the first side of a coin. We used an analogy of two-sided coin. And on that first side of the coin of community, um, to know that you're part of a community is to know that you belong, is, is what sort of Pastor Jamie was, was talking about. And, and he used our, our tagline, which was, every individual has the right to belong. And uh, he established that our identity is what sets us in the right trajectory when it comes to belonging. To sum up Pastor Jamie, uh, we could say that our right to belong comes from our identity in Christ. Jamie used the story of the prodigal son uh, to speak to us about how a wrong mindset keeps us from experiencing the genuine love and grace of the Father, whom Jesus, his ultimate purpose was to come and reveal. Jamie used in that context, in his talking about belonging, he summed up with a conclusion around baptism. And praying throughout the week, I really felt like I needed to just highlight a little bit more around baptism for us, if, if we can. So we're talking about belonging is what he was sharing. And uh, just a slight diversion from my line of thought is really, he did speak about this sacrament of water baptism. 
Paul outlines uh, that the initiation into the family of Jesus really is water baptism. Um, to identify with the benefits of Jesus alone would be a tra- tragedy for any believer because that would set us up to feel a little bit like we've been cheated of something in this world. That, uh, this world is hard to navigate with a mindset that says everything must be perfect for me to know that God loves me. I said that nice and slow because I want people to understand where I'm coming from. Everything must be perfect for me to know God loves me. Now that's a mindset that will hold many back from community and from reaching beyond the community into the greater cause of Jesus. Because if you have that mindset that everything must be right for me to share the love of God, everything must be light, right for me to be able to be a true representation of Jesus, then it doesn't reflect the reality. Because Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble. So how do you reconcile that everything is going to be right for me to be a healthy Christian, but yet I'm walking through trouble? And this is where community is really, really important. Because Jesus doesn't just say that we're going to have trouble. He places us into a community where we can coexist and encourage and empower and equip each other. Does that make sense? So, so this mindset of having a perfect world and a perfect life is really a fallacy. Okay, uh, baptism, baptism is really the sacrament that helps us understand that everything's not going to be rosy. I'll tell you how that helps us. For the apostles... Baptism was the clear statement of dying to selfish desire. A true sign of genuine repentance from sin. A clear statement of identifying with the cross of Jesus and how in the picture of going into the water we die and are reborn as we come out as new creations in Christ is crucial to aligning with God's will for our life. Now, in the Old Testament, everything was done and, and it kind of had action to it. To, to worship God wasn't just to sing songs of praise. To worship God also carried with it sacrifice and, and lots of atonement and lots of cleansings and what, ritual washings and all of these sorts of things. Now, thank God in Christ, this side of Calvary, we no longer have to do the killing of sheep and goats and bulls and all sorts of things, right? For sacrificial purposes. It's okay to do that for the good old tum-tum, right? But for sacrificial purposes. But, but there's still a concept that doesn't necessarily always trans... Oh, I don't, that's probably not the right word. doesn't always come through for the Christian today. And I need to highlight it, and that is that God is still the same yesterday and he's still the same God as he was back in the Old Testament, which means that there has to be some form of action that shows that we are serious when we come to Jesus. Now, it might not be the killing or slaying of a lamb because that was already done. It was the putting of faith in that, in what Jesus has done, 
But it's the action of baptism that identifies us with what our faith is saying that we believe. Because faith has to have an action. How do I say it? Why do I say that? Well, because when you go back to Peter's first sermon in Acts chapter 2, that all the people listening said, what must we do to be saved? Sorry, Acts chapter 2. What must we do to be saved? And Peter answers, repent and be baptized. So the very first instance outside of the apostles coming to know salvation in Christ, the first time the gospel is declared, we see that the ultimate thing is to repent of your sin and to be baptized to be recognized that you are true and serious about what you're confessing. Because baptism is so important in these areas. It is the clear statement of identifying with Jesus. This is the context for Pastor Micah's comment last week when he referred when he was referring about the things that we say. And he, he looked at me and he said, If you talk to Steve and you're looking for counsel, he's going to tell you to just die. Right? This is the context of what he was saying. I'm not telling you to go and fall off a cliff. I'm telling you to reconcile your, yourself dead in Christ. Remember the day you were baptized, for those of you that were baptized. Because baptism is a memorial stone. It's a sacramental memorial in our lifetime done once to remind us that that was the day that I died to my selfish ambition and I live under Christ. Paul writes it like this. He says, So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Baptism is the place. It's the place where we set up the memorial and it says that's the day I made a true commitment to Jesus. I remember my baptism like it was yesterday. I was 10 years old when I said yes to Jesus that I was going to be obedient to what he said. Jesus himself was baptized. It wasn't for the remission of sin. It was so that he could fulfill all righteousness. And then he commands us to go and do likewise. Why would we not be obedient to the very thing that says you need to be baptized when Jesus is the one that tells us that we are to be baptized? You see, baptism is that place where we are identified, where our mouth meets our action. And our action confirms what we confess. Does that make sense? So we're making a date because it's no good just talking about it. We're making a date for you to get real about it. If you've not been baptised on the 1st of November, which is in two weeks' time, and I was really kind, it's the first weekend of summer, we're all going to head out to the river. And huh? Oh, sorry, my bad. The last, the last month of spring. <laughs> it's still hot in November. Trust me, I've been out there all week. It's hot. <laughs> The last, sorry, the first weekend in November, we're all going to go out in the afternoon, for those that want to, to get baptised out at the river, and we're going to make that confession and make that commitment to Jesus. Amen? So if you haven't been baptised yet, let's get obedient 
Let's follow what Jesus wants to do. Let's take the initiation into the community because that's the place where you identify and say, I truly belong. Okay, does that make sense? That kind of helps seal what Pastor Jamie was saying in that context. Our right to belong comes from identifying with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's that simple. It's a confession of our faith, and there's also the action of our, of our obedience. Then the second week, Pastor Micah shared uh, the flip side of this coin. That is, that with belonging comes relational responsibility. So with the privilege of belonging, who knows it's a privilege to belong to the family of God? Yeah? Yeah, because if you, if you knew that, then I probably would have got a bigger amen from you. <laughs> All right? Okay. So, so Pastor Mike is talking about this sense of relational responsibility, and he spoke of honor, didn't he? Honor truly is the fruit of genuine love. Do you know that? Knowing one belongs also is the fruit of genuine love. For example, it's easy to honor your parents when your parents are loving and kind. Yeah? When you have a loving relationship with them. Yet it's difficult when they are not people who deserve honor. I didn't say that. I said it's hard to honor. As we are changed by the love of God, it becomes easier to honor those who don't deserve it. Because God graces us by his love to honor those who we can't in our own strength. It is one of the commandments to honor your parents. Okay? But if your parents are a drug addict, how, how can you honor that person for destroying their own life? So Jesus commands us to follow that, but then on the other hand, he graces us to do it. And that point is love. Without love, it is impossible to honor. But it's not the love that that person deserves. It's the love that comes from the Father as you honor him. As you honor God the Father, he will fill you with the grace and the capacity to honor those who don't deserve it. And now you have moved beyond what you see in that person, which is judgment, to what God sees in that person, which is grace. Does that make sense? So you can sit back all you like and judge a person for their actions, but that just makes you prideful. But you can move into loving God and he will give you the capacity to love any person because each person deserves some form of honour. Why? Because they're all created in the image of God. So he will show you what you can honour in that person. It becomes easier to honour those who don't deserve it when the grace of God is in your life. Is this making sense to everyone? Awesome. Honour is powerful and is vital for the value of community. Honour is like the fruit of love or an expression of love, which is part of our responsibility to each other as brothers and sisters. The Apostle John teaches a lot about how 
our love for each other reveals Jesus' love for others. Here we go. John. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Just going to give you just, just, just an intermission for a second. We've got a new screen up the back there. And the new screen up the back there has a countdown timer on it. And I've just noticed that they've just given me 31 minutes to go. Woo! Here we are. We're on fire now. That's terrible. I don't know. So you should probably knock about 15 minutes off that, guys. <laughs> All right. Um, hey? Oh, I didn't pay him anything, but I'll slip him something later. <laughs> no, we're good. 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed out of death into life. Talking about baptism, right? We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Look at the person next to you. Whether they're a male or a female, doesn't matter. It's the context is the same. You're supposed to love that person. Look at the person in front of you. You're supposed to love that person. Now turn around and look at the person behind you. You are supposed to love that person. <laughs> right? If you, if you know Jesus and you identify as someone who belongs to the family of God, you have no excuse because you are told to love the person sitting next to you. And the evidence, that is the evidence that you have passed from death to life. Do you know that? So while I'm talking that you can get baptized and that's your initiation into the family, to honor and love and respect and to treat right your brother and sister in the body is to reveal that you love that person, not based out of your own effort and strife, but that shows that you're now alive in Jesus. Does that make sense? 1 John 4, 19-21. We love because he first loved us. Did that not change? Hello? There we go. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. So if you come to me and say, so-and-so did such and such to you, and you now hate him, first thing I'm going to tell you to shut up and die... And the second thing I'm going to tell you to do is, uh, well, sorry, hatred is not part of who you are, so you've got to love that person. This is Christian counselling, right? This is the reality. You are dead, and the life, unless my life is going right, I can't love that person. We, we, we get it the wrong way around. To love someone is never convenient. To love someone is actually to put that person first and to elevate them. Right? So you can't hide behind all forms of, of uh, psychoanalogy here. You've actually just got to read it as it's black and white. You either love your brothers and sisters or you're dying because you're found wanting. Because you're not in Christ. Does that make sense? Like, we, there's no going around this. <clears throat> he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, 
Whoever loves God must also love his brother. These are the two commandments Jesus gives us. Love God with all your heart and all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your brother as you love yourself. Yeah? I mean, I, I, which is, if you don't love yourself, then you're not off the hook. You've got to learn to love yourself in that as well. Right? And that's hard for some people, and I get that. And that's why you're in a community, because the community will help you love yourself. Okay? Who's disciple? So I can't say that my life is mine because I'm not Steve's disciple. I'm Jesus' disciple. By this you will know that you are... By this the people will know that you are my disciples. Jesus' disciples. Right? Not Steve's disciple of Steve. I can't look at myself and become a disciple of myself. You see how backwards the Christian mindset can be sometimes? But when we're disciples of Jesus, the world will know. Okay? <clears throat> Which leads us to the full purpose of our value of community. Without community, how will our world come to know who Jesus is? You see, community, when done right, reveals the kingdom. You can Instagram that one for all you Instagram lovers. That one's going up today. I just saw Var's face. <laughs> Community, when done right, reveals the kingdom. Just ask someone who was moved into our city who has moved from another country. They've left their family and their friends behind to move to a strange country, just ask them how important it is that they find a community quickly. Ask someone who's lost a loved one. How different is it to go to a funeral of a non-Christian to that of going to a funeral in a church of someone who loved Jesus? Ask someone who lost a job how important community is. Well, what about someone who's so depressed that they've lost the reason to live? What about all these people in Melbourne that are in constant isolation? Because they can't see anyone because they're in lockdown. What happens to a person's mental health without community? When one is isolated from community, they truly are isolated from a form of love that they can't get individually. Without love, it's easy to lose hope. And we know what happens if we follow that spiral down the path. It goes on and on to not a very pretty end. God recognized this very early on. It says in the beginning, right there at the beginning, when God said it was not good for Adam to be alone. Proverbs 27, 17, which is one of my favorite proverbs, is iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. It'd be a pretty dull instrument if you've got a single life without community. Community is supposed to sharpen you for the gospel. 
Community is supposed to sharpen you in understanding what love is. Community helps you understand who God is. Community helps you understand who you are in Jesus. And community helps you understand who God's called you to be. Because without community calling that out of you, you will never, ever be the person God's called you to be. This is so much the wisdom of God and to put followers, Christ followers, into community. For example, into large gatherings like this. Here on Sunday mornings, they're, they're a form of community, but this is not community. This is me parroting something to you. But this is celebration of community. This is the place that we come to worship God. This is the place we come to hear the word, to be encouraged, to be equipped, to be prayed for, to have that interaction with someone that we wouldn't have had otherwise. This is the celebration of community. But like Pastor Micah and Pastor Jamie have both said in the last two weeks, it's impossible to have community in large gatherings alone. That's why small groups are important. Meeting together with five, six, eight, ten different people. Regularly committing to those sorts of things. The challenge that comes. This is where iron really begins to sharpen iron. I said in the first service this analogy, uh, talking about an arrow point, and then I moved on, and I want to use this moving on to a knife. What good is a dull, blunt knife? You've probably all got a dull knife in your shed somewhere. It's good for digging up roots in, around your roses or something. But what good is it to cut meat? Or what good is it to cut a tomato when you've got a dull, blunt knife? Right? You can't achieve the purpose of what it was intended to. When iron sharpens iron, this whole context is to make a sharp, sharp blade. The best way to sharpen in this context is really a stone. Yeah? But an oil stone needs oil. And in the context of a small group gathering, if the focus isn't about community, where the Holy Spirit is able to come in and bring the anointing oil of his love and his grace and his abundance in all of those things that he gives, if he's not able to do that in community, then you're going to be dry. You're going to be using an oil stone dry. But when the Holy Spirit comes into what is known as true community, all of a sudden, we're going to have sharp people in that analogy. Sharp with the word of God. Sharp and ready to pray. Sharp and ready to sh share the gospel of Jesus. You see, community is great in the celebration. It's, it's, okay, if you're not regularly in a church, I'll go this way. If you're not regularly meeting in a church, then the first thing would be to start attending in a church once a week. No ifs, buts, wherever. It's the best place to be, right? Yeah, I'm the pastor, I'm allowed to say that. But if you're not meeting regularly in a church, once a week, meet in a church, because this is, this is the place you'll be equipped. But if you want to drill down into your purpose of what God has for you, it comes to a greater level of community that can only happen in a small group of people. And it's in that place that what you receive in the Sunday of the anointing of the Holy Spirit on his word is talked out where he sharpens you to be able to become fire for him in the, in the community. Does that make sense? Good. i got one. Okay. So no one else wants to respond. There's no relational responsibility here. Maybe we get Pastor Micah coming back and talking about relational responsibility again. 
All right. I'm going to finish shortly. Two things I want us to take home from today around this word on community. That build us, builds on the previous weeks. The first is really found in John, John's gospel again, John chapter 14, and I want to read a bit of this to you. It might sound a little bit long, but it's really only that much of my Bible. So, <laughs> all right, John chapter what did I say? Fourteen verses twenty-five to thirty-one. These things I have spoken to you. This is Jesus. These things I have spoken to you, while I am still with you. But the Helper, everyone say Helper. helper. The Holy Spirit. Everyone say the Holy Spirit. Everyone say the Holy Ghost, because that's even better. I love that one. Oof. Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. How cool is that? I love Jesus' peace. My peace I give to you. Oh, it's my poor. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, here's the challenge, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. There's the prophet Jesus coming out. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Hallelujah. Those of you who are scared of the devil, if you've got Jesus, you can't have any either. Amen. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Amen. Rise, let us go from here. And they walk off. This is just before Jesus is arrested. Here's Jesus is talking to his disciples. And in this dialogue, he discusses something that is of extreme importance for the believer. Did you catch it? What was his name? Hmm. The Helper. The importance of the Holy Spirit who identifies us as believers. He is the seal of community. Without the very special person that Jesus mentions, one cannot be a member of his community. He's a very special person, so much so that Jesus talks of him and says those who sin against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven. It tells you just the level of how important the Holy Spirit is to you and I. So if you've never heard about the Holy Spirit, I've just read Jesus speaking to you about the promise of the Helper. He later talks about how he will come and live inside of you. He's a very special person who comes as a seal of our salvation, identifies us as a believer in us. He is the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. And he helps us to be a community of love. 
You know how he does that? I'm not talking about all of the things that sometimes happen when the Holy Ghost breaks out in a meeting. I'm talking about the soul of the Spirit who comes and lives inside every believer. I'm not talking about the anointing and the power of being baptized in the Spirit. I'm talking about the seal. Him characterizes the seal of our salvation. How does, how does the Holy Spirit help us to be a greater community? How does the Holy Spirit reveal the love of God for you and for other people? Well, he speaks to us. He doesn't just... For some people, he might actually literally audibly voice speak to them. The fathers, he prompts us with a thought, with an unction, with an urge in our heart, in our spirit man, when we're alive in Christ. Sharpie walks into my office going off tap about something. He walks out and leaves the door. And the Holy Spirit says to me, this isn't happened, this is just a, an example. Sorry, bro. <laughs> I'm just <gonna> <laughs> <laughs> I let him believe he won, but anyway, no. Um, the Holy Spirit says to me, you shouldn't have said that. Now my interest is piqued. What shouldn't I have said? You shouldn't have said that word in anger. Oh. That person who always seems to Take your time. You could choose to get frustrated with that. Or you can listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and hear the loneliness in their voice. Is just as real as Jesus. In fact, he's even realer in my life today than Jesus is because Jesus isn't standing here He's here in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us up into the Father's love. He doesn't call us horrible, wretched, terrible for calling Sharpie that thing. What he tells us is that's not who he is and that's not who you should portray him as being. Go and make it right. He calls us up into love. This is what the seal of God does in your life. It reminds you that you are acting outside of your new nature and the character that God has given you. And he tells you, make it right. Does that make sense? Like this is the practical thing to take out of. You can't do this in, without community. What happens if you isolate yourself from community is you fill yourself with arrogance and pride because there's no one for you to practice being Jesus to. How are you ever going to grow up into Jesus without people? Right? This is what he does. He helps us to speak well of ourselves and of others. Isn't that a good one? I like it. I thought that was a good enough point there. The second one is this. And for all the millennials in the house, I'm not talking, it makes us furious, right? Sharpie got it. 
The second thing is that we're to take home is really the main game. And I alluded to it in our first week in the tag. It's really what flows from the blessings that we have in Abraham. Now, Abraham, through the covenant of faith, was blessed to be a blessing. Okay? We are found in that same covenant because we have faith in Jesus. We believe what he did for us, which means that we are under a new covenant, but it's a covenant of faith. And we are now the ones that are blessed to be a blessing. And I just showed you one way that we were blessed. That is that Jesus himself, by the person of the Holy Spirit, comes and lives with inside us, and he convicts us up to live like Jesus. The second is this. Matthew 5, 13 to 16 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. That's pretty harsh, eh? Don't lose your saltiness, please. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I don't want to lose my saltiness, eh? I don't want to lose the light that I have. I've been blessed to be a blessing, which means that Jesus has made me salt. What does salt do? Well, it adds flavour. Bolognese without salt in it is horrible. Mm, it also cleanses. It also preserves. Nice olives. <laughs> it cuts ice. Yep. So all of these things that, that salt does is representative of what you should be. You should be a preserver of life. How do you preserve life? You share the gospel. It's the ultimate call of Jesus. To be the salt to the earth? Come on. You're called to preserve those who are perishing. You're called to add flavor to this world. All the creatives in the room say, yes! <laughs> right? We're called to see the kingdom of God where it is there come through us and impact where we are right now. That's what it is to be salt, to be light, to, to bring light into a dark room is amazing. But let's put, a, let's put a room full of lights up on the hill, hey? A city on a hill is not hidden. Community is meant to light the fire within us so that we become brighter for Jesus. How does one lose saltiness if they're in community? They can't. So don't focus on the negative passage part of that passage, which is the only worthwhile being trampled under. Look at what the positive thing Jesus is saying is be part of a community. What good is a, a coal taken out of the fire just to burn out? It 
create new ones. I like that. I was going to say that actually earlier, and I'm glad you said that. Because the community is supposed to grow to a point where it outgrows. And, and, and where the concept of the bushfire is that it takes over everything, the concept of a campfire is if you take a shovel full and move it to another place, you can start another fire. So I love where you're going with that because I said it in the earlier service. The best way to evangelize a community is to plant a church. Because community is attractional. Fire begets fire. <laughs> so, so to be a part of a community is to remain salty and to remain a light. One can't burn brightly as effectively on their own as they can when they're committed into a community. And while this sounds like it's all about making a church become stronger. In fact, the whole point of community is this. The things to work there. The whole point of community is that community, when it's in true sense of community, always reveals the king. Does that make sense? When a church is on fire for Jesus and they passionately love one another and they're invested and they're engaged and they're meeting each other's needs, there's something about that that overflows into its community. So a church that is on the back pedal dying, the first step for them is to pray. Not to God to save them, but for God to develop their community. Because when he develops their community, he will develop their greater vision for their community. And it's the same in this context. A growing church needs to continue to heap fire and the word of God into it to make it continue to grow so that we can plant smaller groups where you can get more on fire for Jesus. And out of that, the natural thing is evangelism grows. Our passion to share the love of God grows because we're doing it together. And I can tell you, out of a community like that, people will rise up and they will want to plant a church for Jesus. Is that what you want to do? I think that's what I want out of community. How about we stand to our feet? I'm going to invite the band to come back if they're still here. I don't know about you, but we can't do this without the Holy Spirit. We can have all the words under the sun, but without the Holy Spirit breathing on our community, we will never impact our community. So we need the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He reminds us everything that Jesus says, and he reminds us who we are, and he reminds us that we're called to something greater. I just think that's awesome. But even more than that, Holy Spirit gets deep into our heart and he mines for the salt that's there and when that salt comes to the surface our heart will be about preservation of the lost so I'm going to pray for, the stuff for us this morning that 
the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to us clearer and clearer and clearer. Speak to us about our community. Speak to us about our importance, about how we develop this community, about how we have a right to belong and what a great message that is to take to someone else who has no community to belong to. It's one thing to go and share the gospel because the Bible tells us to. It's another thing to share the gospel because it's the natural expression of who you are. And I think that's what we want in our community. I think that's what Griffith needs. It's what the world needs. Amen? So if you want to receive from God today, just put your hands out like you're receiving a gift from Him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this word and we thank you that we have the right to belong in this community because you paid the price. Today, we accept our right to belong. And for those of us who are considering baptism, I pray, Lord, that we not consider it anymore, but we just step out in obedience and faith. Father, thank you that we have a relational responsibility one to another to encourage and exhort and equip and to honour and to love. And I thank you, Lord, that we will see a greater outpouring of our relational responsibility to one another. But Lord, community overflow is about expansion of the kingdom of God. It's not about getting big for the sake of being big. It's about there is still room in the banqueting hall to go out into the highways and byways and invite them all to come in, whoever they are, to find a place where they can be accepted and loved in Jesus and they will develop and understand who they are and find the calling that you have on them. So today, Lord, we can't do that alone. We ask for the Holy Spirit, the helper, to come into our lives open our ears and to keep us attuned to what you are saying. Keep speaking to us, Holy Spirit. Keep talking to us. When we don't get it, keep prompting us to keep going. Open our ears to hear. Open our mouths to share. And open our arms to give. Lord, I thank you Thank you for the gift of the helper who is as real to me and to each of us here as your word is that we read each day. Help us, Father. Help us to overflow, to be the salt and the light to the world that it needs. We thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name.